Today on the show, we're talking about toxic people in the workplace. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. My name's Courtney. I'm joined with Trevor. And thank you for being with us today as we talk about toxic people in the workplace. So Trevor, why are we even talking about this issue today? Well, I would guess most of our listeners either have a job or have had a job to earn a living to to try to achieve financial independence. So I think everyone who's had a job has experienced toxic people in the workplace. So I think this is important to probably everybody listening. And we are going to talk about what if you haven't experienced toxic people in the workplace as well. We'll get into that later. So Trevor, uh, uh, let's go through, to lead this episode off, let's go through this saying. And um, I, I hear it all the time, but let, let's apply it to this app you hang around with. Yeah, so it, it's it's a longstanding expression, and I, I truly believe in it. So if you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And the reason we're bringing this up in, in for this show is you spend a great deal of time at work. So the people around you the most of the time, which is, I'm going to say for you know, the average working person is going to be at work. You spend, you spend as much time at work as you do uh, outside of work and sleeping. So one third of your life is spent working. You're, you're, you're going to be influenced and maybe even emulate those people. And I mean, I think it'd be nice to stand back and say to yourself, Oh, Trevor, Courtney, I am not affected by the people within my workplace. I am my own person. I do not get influenced or or anything like that. But I think that sometimes is a very optimistic point of view. And while we wish that was all true in theory, I think realistically, sometimes we are affected in maybe even subconscious ways that we don't realize. Well, I think people, you know, you may think you're strong and you, you're not going to fall victim to the influence of the people you work, the negative influence. But you're going to have weak days. You're going to have days where you just don't have the fight in you to, to, to resist some of the, the influences. I, I just think it's unrealistic. Over time, it's going to happen at a very subconscious level at the very least. And and we do realize that the the whole idea for the show, I mean, toxic people in the workplace, it does sound a little bit negative and a little bit pessimistic. But I mean, if if you list ever if you have had the chance to listen to our episode on just toxic relationships, this is kind of an extension of that because I mean, like Trevor said, we spend more time at work than anywhere else. So we thought this episode deserved some attention. And I want to say that I have also had very positive influences over my working career. People that have really made a difference in my life, people that have taken a chance on me, given me opportunities that maybe I didn't deserve or hadn't earned yet. So and people who have offered me advice, uh, very uh, meaningful advice about outside of work things in, in very positive things. So all, all work relationships are not toxic. Uh, just I think it, the toxicity is a problem for people. Not Obviously, the positive relationships aren't. So, Trevor, I, I want to lead in and talk about how the work environment really impacts the level of maybe toxic people we will experience me surrounded by. And actually, and before we get even into that, let's define toxic first, because I mean, it's that toxic at its at its core is definitely a very negative uh, word and negative connotation. I mean, it's used to describe chemicals. It's used to describe things that you should not be crossed with. So can, can we just give a loose definition of the word toxic? Uh, for me, a toxic relationship, in particular at work, is something that's unsustainable, something that is just driving you into the ground. 
for for whatever reason. But it, there's you know you have to tolerate personalities that different personalities at work. But when it becomes toxic, it becomes unsustainable. Meaning you are eventually going to reach a breaking point, and, and where where it it cannot continue. So t- to me. That is in in the time frame around that that breaking point. It'll vary by person, but just knowing that it's unsustainable to me that is toxic. So, what what would your definition of of toxic workplace relationships be? I'd have to agree with you in that it's definitely something unsustainable. But back to how I dropped the word chemical down before. Uh, chemicals they they can seep into your body without you realizing that they're getting in and and cause an, an internal havoc. So. I also like to look at the toxicity as maybe this this idea that you don't maybe consciously realize is happening until you actually stand back and evaluate the situation. You know, I agree. I agree with that. You sometimes there's going to be an after effect of the toxic relationship that that you're going to see, and then you're going to look back and connect the dots. Is that kind of what you? Oh yeah, definitely. And I think I think that's. What we also kind of discussed in our toxic relationship episode as well. But the reason, the core reason we are doing this episode today again is because unlike the toxic relationship episode where we kind of, we kind of advocated for surrounding yourself with people who add value to your life and people who really bring you up and as add positivity and optimism in a workplace, you don't always get that choice. And sometimes you don't get that choice. Yeah, you can't pick your coworkers. I guess unless you're the the hiring manager, you obviously get a selection of choice. But I mean, it, you you can't pick your 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 colleague, generally speaking. And you, you know, you could also say you can't pick your your your, your in laws. You know, you can't pick your mother in law, your father in law, or your 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 sister in law. You can't pick them, but you can choose the frequency at, at which you interact with those people. But your your coworkers, you're being forced to be around those people. Well, forced in that you need to go to work to earn a living. So you're you're mandated to be near these people, even if they are toxic to you. So that, that's that's a distinction worth noting. And I do want to go back to how you said that if you're the hiring manager, you can choose who is a part of your organization. Yes and no. I mean, when we look at the idea of toxicity, we're really looking at the we're not really looking at their skill set. We are looking at kind of more the character traits. So at what point are, I mean, and good good workmanship and po- a positive, being a positive person to the work environment is so important. But I mean, at that point, we are splitting hairs between this person is very skilled at what they do. They are very efficient. And then we're looking at their more uh, character trait aspects. So at what point are we going to, going to have this happy, awesome A plus team and get rid of who maybe do not have the skill set to complete the job. So I think there's a fine line and that's what make this sub- makes the subject tricky. You know, that's a valid point. You know, I, I've seen a lot of people who are technically skilled at their job but are flawed from a personality standpoint and they get hired because of their technical skill set but they actually become a cancer to their department. Even though they're, they're enormously skilled, they, their ability to communicate and interact effectively with with a team is is, is not not good so uh, it, it's a trade-off you're right you're you, do you pick this person that's going to blend in well and fit in with a great personality but their technical skills just aren't up to par you're right the hiring manager is going to have to make some give and take there and also let's not forget and this is the point we will get into later but 
when you are when you're a hiring manager and you're sitting down in an interview, you're probably not going to learn this learn about this person at that level in this interview they're probably putting their best foot forward as all people do in interviews so and we're also gonna we will talk about this later but talk toxicity within people sometimes doesn't show in the most obvious ways so I think it's and and also the hiring manager might not spend as much time around this person as their as their colleagues so they will definitely see a different side of them as well and I mean it's, it's it's definitely hard to justify as a as a colleague if you go to your boss and kind of have a conversation about um, this other individual. Maybe they're really impacting your work. That hiring manager maybe it won't have enough to go off of because they the hiring managers only has has had positive interactions with this one person. Yeah, that's true. If you go back to the hiring uh, the hiring scenario, it's really on the the human resource manager or the human resource person who's part of the interviewing process to really pick out those character traits that that personality and, and know whether it's going to fit or not. The, the hiring managers uh, usually seeking out the technical skills. So it, hopefully uh, both parties have an equal voice in the hiring decision. Oh, for sure. Definitely. And, and again, I think that's why it's important to bring a lot of people into the team, into the hiring process to really identify if this person's going to fit on every level. But this episode really is dedicated to what or how to kind of remedy and deal with the situation as is. And now that we've kind of defined toxicity, let's actually get into the work environment, how the work environment plays into the kind of the level of toxicity we'll, we see. Yeah, it really, depending on the nature of your job, your job might be very team oriented where there's a lot of handoffs and relying on every member of their team to to, you know, be on the same page with each other and, and approach work the same way. And other people start to work in silos and they work very independently. I'm going to use a couple of examples. They, they, they might not be universal, but a computer programmer, someone who's working with code, they would spend probably great deals of, of time in isolation and then small windows of time with a team. And then if I think of somebody in a sort of a, a sales role you know where they're interacting with customers and coworkers, and it's all about communication that that nate that type of job is probably more susceptible to toxic uh co-worker relationships than that coder is working on programs all day and I, we might look towards people who work from home and think that oh they have they don't have to deal with the situation but still that person working from home is still dealing with interactions via phone or via email. And I mean, toxicity can still show up through those means of communication as well. You know, just the idea of working from home, you know, you, I've had sort of the opportunity to work from home if I wanted to. And one of my reluctancies to do that is I've built up a, a whole career worth of, of sort of tolerating or conditioning to, uh, different personalities while I'm working. And if I were to Go, go and work sort of from home and remove myself from a, a workplace social environment, I fear that I would lose some of that that resilience or that conditioning I've built up. And then if I had to go back into that environment, it might be a shock to me. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, I'm sure any, any of our listeners who maybe just, who, who start at a new jobs, even if you've been within the workforce for a while, but when you move jobs, there's definitely... Yeah, you have coworkers, but that that collection of coworkers can dramatically change from workplace to workplace. 
So for this episode, we're kind of going to lead in with just kind of an introduction of toxic coworkers. But then, of course, because we are Simple Money Solutions, we're going to bring in kind of more of the financial, personal finance impact that kind of surrounding yourself with a little bit of toxicity in the workplace can cause. So we're going to bring work environment back up later on. So we did find two different articles that we're going to reference now because they really do support this episode and and what we hope to convey. So the first of the two is called Three Types of Toxic Coworkers and How to Handle Them. So uh, this is from workopolis.com and it's by Lauren Pelly and it'll be in the show notes as well if you want to go and refer to it after you're done listening to this episode. So it Lauren Lauren Pelly has listed out several types of coworkers that you have might have experienced as well. So we go through each of them and kind of describe what that looks like. So the first one is the bully. So the first one is the bully. The second is the slacker, and the third is the self promoter. So we're gonna go through all th- each one uh, one by one and kind of list off how that person might come across in real life. So let's talk about the bully first. Yeah. So I'm sure everybody. I've I've never worked somewhere where all three of these have not existed. So, and if one of them doesn't exist, chances are you are that one. So just bear that in mind. So the bully is is somebody they they've always existed everywhere I've worked to varying degrees. So some were at a toxic level, unsustainable. But for me, that the key to dealing with the bully at work is to keep it on a professional level at all times. Never, ever drift into a non-professional conversation or interaction with the bully at any time. It, 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 it represents less opportunity to be bullied or, or, or interact with that person. And it also creates a defense just in case it, it comes to a serious you know, case of harassment, which we'll get into later. It, it kind of protects you that you've only dealt with that person on a very professional level. So, I mean, you talk about how the biggest thing is not to get in your personal level, but I'm sure the bully appears in a professional sense as well. Well, when I say professional, you only interact with the bully on work-related issues. Ne- never never discuss personal issues with the bully. I mean, that, that has been my tried and true tactic with them. But the bullying's the bully's characteristics will shine through. I'm sure when you're working on work-related projects as well, where the bully might feel like he or she has more power over you, or or try to bully you um, when it pertains to work. Yeah, and this is so. If it hasn't reached a toxic level, you you have to develop tools to to endure that or or or, or work through those issues the bully is going to be a bully all the time. That's just, it's their, it's, that is their toolbox. That's all they've got, generally speaking. And a lot of times it's, in my experience, the, the, the bully has been using that tactic to hide some of their internal limitations. It could be technical limitations. It could be social limitations, but it, it's their actually defense mechanism has been my observation. So what, what would be your strategy for combating a bully in the workplace? I would say definitely per, portray a solid 
solid sense of self-confidence and self-assurance in yourself because I, I think if if you show, I mean, we've all heard that saying, fake it till you make it. I think if you really portray that and really put that forward, then the bully will have uh, have less space to, to really pull you apart. So I'm going to disagree with that, and I'll tell you why. The bully, it's generally all about the bully, and they're never going to observe any of your character traits that have changed or improved. So self-confidence, if anything, that self-confidence just fuels the bully you know that it may it, it weakens their position making them feel the need to be more of a bully it's been my experience but i would say that i mean the strong or quote-unquote strong pick on the weak pick on easy targets so if you already seem not sure of yourself i think the bully is going to pick up on that and really use that to his or her, her advantage whereas you if, he, if you are tough and strong and you don't come across as someone who's going to put up with the bully's crap then i think i think you would be a less easy target that is a fabulous point you know that that is that is spot on now that you say that, I, I, I didn't even see that. So that, that was a great example of, of how to deal with a bully. I, I really like that. I, I would also like to say that if you're dealing with a bully and it does reach a, you know, unsustainable toxic level, it's not worth it. You know, if you can't get that resolved or that, that bully out of your working life, leave that job. You know, don't, don't endure that for any longer than, than necessary and this article does highlight how the bully can transpire in in kind of snark in this example here snarky comments about your suit or um, picks you on for your lackluster sales numbers or teases you for flubbing up in the infield at your company's softball game. So all of these are kind of just very soft examples of even of just events that happen. I know even at one of my workplaces, like we'd all we'd all kind of pick on each other in a very harmless sense. But I mean interpret what interpretation or how you intend for something to come across is one thing but how other people perceive it is definitely something else so I mean there's that fine line to walk but I think when in doubt always 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 hesitate on the side of of not kind of joking around with your coworkers. yeah I would agree with that that's definitely the safe the safe route the second of three is the slacker. Now, this one I'm sure everyone has had had experience with over their working years. Yeah, so the slacker can come across as as almost sometimes incompetent, but they're really not incompetent. They're just chances are if they were truly incompetent, they would they wouldn't have got hired or they would have been terminated. So the slacker is just somebody who's not motivated, and their lack of motivation can impact your work. It can actually resulting in you having to pick up the slack that, that they've created and that can be frustrating and the slacker can also they're they're a, you can also also get trapped and so if, if they appear incompetent and you try to exploit that and it turns out they're not incompetent they're just not motivated they can quickly you know bury you with with their knowledge so i I've been involved with a slacker and I've fallen into that trap where I, I just thought they were incompetent and I tried to expose that to motivate them and, and it was quickly put in my place. So I, I've, I've worked with a slacker who changed colors before my very eyes. 
And I, I, it's, it's, I think it's easy to get frustrated at, at the slacker. I think this one, they're probably the most frustrating of the three that we're going to highlight just because, I mean, you're all trying to work towards a common goal. And when, when one person is trying to push off responsibilities onto others, I think that can, can really hinder the, the, the whole work process in, in general. And another a way a, a person can appear as a slacker is if they, if they have more home responsibilities, so more, out, out, like just say they, uh, they have a, you know, a, a very large family, lots of kids and lots of activities to take them to, and, and they're always coming in late and leaving early because of that, that would appear as, a, as you know, that, that truly is. I mean, they're slacking in their work responsibilities because they, they're, they're trying to get a work-life balance. And I can, I can respect and appreciate that, you know, outside of work is more important to them. But if them doing that actually ends up offloading work onto me because they, they can't put in a full work day, that, that's also frustrating. I think, I think the best way to deal with a slacker is to, you know, just say you, you get a, a group project at work. And I would, I, I quickly identify responsibilities for each person, like put a name beside each task that has to be done and, and just make sure that slacker's name is on, on something, you know, that they, they get a task equally as everybody else on the team. To go back to your last point about um, maybe a mother or father uh, having home responsibilities, I just want to under really underscore that just to be kind of the voice of our listener in that I think because I think I just think because the term slacker has a very negative connotation that I think it's important to really define that a slacker at work, like you said, it does not mean they're a bad person. It does not mean that you don't respect them for their parental duties or whatever else they're doing. It's strictly it's slacking at 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 work. Well, I, I guess the point I was trying to make is you could be slacking at work for a very good reason. You know, a reason I actually respect. Or there's also other slackers who just aren't motivated and they don't want to even they don't want to do their fair share at work and they'd rather be on the phone making personal calls or, or, or surfing the internet. That's another kind of slacker. To me, that slacker is easy, easier to resolve in that in my theory, that that becomes unsustainable. They're they're gonna they're gonna expose themselves to, to their manager for their flaws. If they're slacking uh, with, I mean, even the person who's leaving early to, to deal with family reasons on a constant basis, they're going to expose themselves to their managers as well. But I, you, you might maybe respect one one aspect of slacking more than the other. Oh, definitely. To touch on the last of the three types of slackers, this is the self-promoter. Yeah, so these people can be super dangerous. The self-promoter is somebody who's trying to climb the corporate ladder as fast as humanly possible. And I've worked with these people too. And there's there's only two kinds of self-promoters. There's the ones who will step on everybody and anybody in their way to climb that ladder. And then there's other people who will, you know, they will do it in the most gracious, honorable way possible and helping people along the way and th- there's a theory that how you treat people on the way up is how they will treat you on the way down and on the way down means that if they are ever demoted from that position yeah yeah that kind of 
if so here's one thing with self promoters is I've seen this a lot is is people companies tend to promote people just beyond their abilities. And the reason that happens is someone will get promoted you know for doing a good job and then they get promoted to another level and they get promoted again for doing a good and they continue to get promoted for doing a good job and as soon as they stop doing a good job they stop getting promoted so that means they're promoted to a position that is probably just beyond their abilities and they stay there working just beyond their abilities and then you can only sustain working beyond your abilities for so long and then you start to fall back down the ladder or actually hopefully you're able to fall back back down the ladder in a lot of cases you just get terminated and you're out the door and on that note i i do really commend individuals who who maybe are offered promotion but realize that that they're they know they know that they can't maybe sustain the the level of work that they'd like to do at that position so they kind of turn down that position because they they know they're better off where they are right now well, so this is a little off topic, but if you are able to separate work from money, and that's a, a very important skill, and it, it takes a lot of, of effort and work to, to do, but it, with every promotion tends to come more money, and that's great, but that can't be the motivator. The money, once you get it and you get used to getting it, that that the 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 motivation the money offers wears off quickly so you need to be motivated because that job that promotion appears rewarding engaging something you'd love to do as a bonus we're going to give you more money for doing it but if you're doing it strictly for the money you will be miserable so to 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 wrap up this article and bring us back to the self promoter i i think that definitely a good way to look at the self promoter is just someone who Maybe looks like they're ready to help you out, but are actually just doing that to take the credit for work to to achieve advancement, achieve recognition. Yeah, that's that's a, actually a good way to sum that up. But I'd like to say that all three of these people have existed everywhere I've worked, and as people have come and gone in the organization, you know, maybe the bully has left, a new one will arrive, or or somebody who didn't appear as a bully before will will all of a sudden when when the original bully leaves a new bully amongst the people left over appears and as a self-promoter maybe promotes himself out of your organization in into you don't interact with them anymore another self-promoter will unmask themselves so these three types of people have existed in all the time everywhere i've worked so it's really crazy to think that you could run away from these people and find that perfect utopian organization. And it's more about learning coping skills and techniques to really keep yourself um, sane and, and, and happy at the workplace. That, that is a really good point. Yeah. You don't try to run from this cause you, you, you'll never, you'll never get away from it. I, and you're right. Coping is the, is the key learning how to cope. So the second of our two articles is called five signs. Your coworkers are toxic. It's by Susan's Susan ways and it's from businessinsider.com. It'll also be in the show notes if you want to check that out after as well. So this article really just highlights five signs that are you are dealing with a toxic coworker. So yeah, we've been talking about how a coworker really, really uh, the labels we might give a toxic coworker, but 
what can we do now to really kind of identify and look around for the, the signs, the telltale signs that someone in your in your workplace might be toxic to you. And Trevor, I think it's important to highlight that someone that is toxic to someone else might be not toxic to you and someone who toxic, who's toxic to you might be not toxic to someone else. Yeah, and it really depends on your 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 personality traits, right? And don't go, you know, searching for toxic people. You know, don't don't try to if somebody currently is not toxic to you, don't don't try to analyze their personality t- to such a degree that you discover some aspect that is toxic. I mean, if there's not a problem, don't go searching for one. So I, I I'd also like to say that you know, don't go searching for these the, you know these toxic relationships, but just know that these three toxic people they exist. And if one of them doesn't exist, chances are it's you. So let's uh, let's uh, go through these five signs that you might be dealing with a toxic person in your life. And again, identifying a toxic person can be very intuitive, but but sometimes it is a little bit more trickier to pick up on it. So if if you have picked up on any of these signs, maybe maybe understand that I think and half the battle could be too like understanding these signs and then and realizing that person is toxic and then creating these coping strategies as opposed to just wondering why you leave a conversation feeling miserable. So the first one is you find yourself thinking about this person a lot. Yeah, if, I mean, if, if this person is always in your mind, particularly on your way to work, you're just dreading another interaction with this person. I mean, if it's if it's all consuming, then, then chances are that that is a toxic thing. I mean, if if particularly the bully thing. I keep going back to the bully thing because that's the one where it, it, it's just, it's not worth the job. There's no job in the world that's worth being bullied at. And if you can't convince your employer that you're being bullied and they need to take action, then you need to take action for your own mental sanity and, and remove yourself from that situation. The second second sign is that you apologize even when you aren't wrong. And this one is, remember I said that, you know, keep it professional. When you're dealing with, you know, a slacker or a self-promoter or a bully or, or any other personality that doesn't mix well with you, if you keep it professional, you'll never have to, you'll never have to apologize for something. If you're always keeping it work-related, your conversations, your interactions, your emails, always work-related, you'll never ever have to apologize for anything you've said or done or, or feel you need to, even if you, you're, you're a toxic coworker implies that you know you've done something wrong you'll know that you haven't just a question about that i mean in has there ever been a ever been a time that i mean something you've done something work related you haven't got something to someone in time i mean is there ever a place for an apology within the workplace well you you could misinterpret somebody's you know a, an email you could misinterpret i i have apologized meaning misinterpreted a deadline if someone doesn't give a specific date, they'll say, you know, two weeks from now. And they really meant two weeks from Friday. And I, if, I, if I think I should have known that, then then I will apologize for, for missing a deadline. I guess I guess I just asked that question because I think I, I think it, it's it's crazy to put a blanket statement over the fact that even if you just avoid talking about personal life within the workplace, that you will never need to apologize. I just think that there are people who maybe will make you feel guilty or bad for 
for for not for not doing something or for not doing it right or not interpreting their interpretation right and I think and and them forcing you to feeling bad and and if you're a person who is naturally inclined to apologize and and you apologize when you really shouldn't have to but you you feel forced that you should then I think that really crosses the line I generally don't, again, this is only when I'm dealing, I do have friends at work and I do interact with friends on a, on a non-work basis and, and enjoy that interaction. But if I'm dealing with a toxic person, I, I am, I have such a guard up that I, I just cross my T's, dot my I's. I tend to be very thorough in my communications with these toxic people that, that I'm just not going to be trapped. That That's my, my experience has, has because I've done the opposite. I've, I, I've, I've been in situations where I've needed to apologize for things I've said and, and actually felt bad about it. The third is that you constantly walk on eggshells. And I am sure you can, I'm sure this has happened in your personal life. So you can probably maybe translate this over to what this would feel like in your work life as well. Yeah. The, and the, the difference is, like we said earlier, in your personal life, you can choose when and where you interact with toxic people. But in your work life, it's you can't choose to to not if you don't have the energy and or you don't have the the stamina to deal with that toxic person on Tuesday, but you have to go to work on Tuesday. It's going to be a challenge, right? And you you might find yourself walking on eggshells, not wanting to set this person off because you don't have the energy to deal with the the ramifications of of that toxicity being in your face on on a Tuesday when you didn't get a good night's sleep that night. And I think it's important to realize, especially with this point, that if you are dealing with someone who is easily set off or, or, or says things that or, or reacts strongly to when you say things or do things, I think it's important to realize that it's, it's and not realize, but just understand that it's unhealthy for you to keep saying to yourself, oh, they should not be like that. Oh, they should not be saying that because they are. The fact is they are saying those things. They are doing those things. So telling yourself that they shouldn't be, it's just going to frustrate you. I think in a better way to really view that situation in particular is just realize, is accept the fact that they are like that and create coping strategies for yourself to, to mentally be able to handle those situations when they do occur. And that works great if you have the, you know, the, you know, if you've had to deal with a toxic person, you know, for, in that toxic person in the worst edition of their toxicity for like a two weeks straight, it, it can be, it can wear you down. It, it's not, it's not easy, you know? So it, I wouldn't say your coping strategies are going to work a hundred percent of the time. Definitely. I, th- I think that's a really, really important point. The fourth of the five points is the relationship is emotionally exhausting. So this really does extend back to your last statement there. Yeah. You, if if and if you get to the point where it's emotionally exhausting chances are you you know once you've reached that plateau it, it, something has to change you know you've re- when i've said it's unsustainable you've reached the wall of unsustainability if it's emotionally exhausting meaning you know it, it, imagine if that wasn't there you'd have all this energy so if if it's doing that and you can't have your employer change this environment then you need to change it yourself. You need to take action. Definitely, because nothing is more important than your mental and emotional happiness. Because 
like we said, you spend more time at work than you do anywhere else. So the majority of your life is surrounded by emotional exhaustion. That's just going to wear you out in all the aspects of your life. And I keep referring to the the bully, you know, as, as it's an easy one to use as an example, but the slacker can be emotionally exhausting. You know, when you're doing the work of two people or you feel like you are day after day, picking up the slack for this person who's not pulling their weight or they're leaving early, coming in late, and you're the person... And it could even be directed from your 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 manager to pick up the slack. And if if that just wears you down, I mean, even if you're capable, if it just if it's just taking its toll on you and you you can't do this anymore, it, it's not worth it. There's no job around that's worth it. The last point is you begin to think you are the problem. And I like this point because it really is the definition of manipulation that this toxic person almost has has you convinced that your actions and inactions and everything that you do is the problem. Well, and I've used this term before, the victim mentality. And that's kind of, this is kind of like that, is that as soon as you start blaming yourself for these problems, you become powerless to correct them. You know, once you've, 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 you've condemned yourself to being the problem, then the problem cannot be fixed. It cannot be resolved. And you will fall into the deepest, darkest depression because of that. So the, the, if, if, if number four, when it becomes emotionally exhausting, is that, is that the time, if that was the time to leave and remove yourself from the situation, number five, when you begin to think you're the problem, you've waited too long. The problem has, has fallen off the edge of the cliff. It is now, you, you, you have reached the, the plateau of powerlessness, meaning you, you feel helpless. I mean, there's nothing worse than feeling helpless. Oh, for sure. And uh, some com- some phrases that are highlighted within this point that that go along with this is, why are you up so upset? Or why are you so sensitive? So again, this is someone really commenting on your reaction to something in maybe an extreme, extreme way or a way that, again, makes you feel uh, less of a person. Yeah, those are, those are some traits that to keep an eye on for sure. So we've kind of introduced toxicity and really how it manifests within the workplace. And because again, we are a personal finance podcast, I think it's important to kind of, I kind of look at how uh, toxic coworkers can really manifest in the personal finance side of things. Yeah, I think your coworkers can influence you and how you live your life financially because you spend so much time with them that that. Again, the five people you spend the most time with, chances are one of those five people or maybe two or three of those five people are your coworkers. So uh, Trevor, I wanted to do this episode today because uh, to any of our listeners who have been around for a while, we we talk a lot about, we, we kind of reference Trevor's work a lot and and we talk about the, the truck club at your work where everyone drives trucks and we'll talk about how your 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 coworkers vacations which is a very positive thing but it's it's definitely a subject that comes up a lot which which is fine but it also is in the same playing field as uh as something like a truck which is also has a high monetary value to it so i and i i, I we have to sit back and i i trevor i admire how you are able to not fall victim and to and succumb to the pressure that 
that this could place on you and in fact you because you don't blink an eye, blink an eye at these trucks and you appreciate others vacations we don't it doesn't take over your life and wanting one but i mean to our listeners out there who maybe are aren't as uh seasoned and and ready to deal with this as you are i think this is an important issue to talk about so without labeling people like just say you worked at tim hortons or walmart where most people are earning a minimum wage and maybe taking public transit to work. So the kind of car you own, that's rarely going to be a conversation those people have, right? So depending where you work. Now, where I work, people tend to drive real high-end vehicles. seems to be an aversion to trucks there. So everyone seems to have a a very high-end truck, which costs an exorbitant amount of money. I, I... I'm not influenced by that. I All I see when I see these vacations and new vehicles, which tend to show up in the form of suntans and, and shiny cars, I see consumption of wealth. You know, that's, that's how I visualize these things. I see money leaving people's bank accounts every month, making payments on these things. And, and I just, I see them handing control of their lives over to the corporation. So... I go through these visualization exercises and I'm not saying I don't take the odd vacation myself and I, I only buy used cars, but every once in a while I do have to get a, a, a new used car. So I, I, I do have to part with money for those things. But whenever you do that ex- in an extreme manner, you're, every time you, you, you spend money excessively, you're handing control over to the corporation, meaning they get to continue to tell you when to come to work, how long to be at work, you know, it, the, I guess I do it because I want control. And the ultimate control is retirement or financial independence. And so that's my motivation. I, I, I don't need any additional motivation. I, I'm very rarely, I, maybe I'm a control freak. I don't know, but I, I don't want, I, somebody's been telling me where to go and when to do it for, for almost 30 years. I guess I, I'm tiring of that. And and you talk about how control is being handed over to someone else, and and you and people like to show off what their either their new truck or the, or their tan from their vacation. An interesting concept is one from an article called "We Can't Judge Our Lives by What Other People Do with Their Money," by Gail Vex Oxlad. And an interesting concept within her article is that we hide our financial stability, and. And it's a really fascinating concept because it's hard to show your financial stability and financial stability shows up in, in, in ways that you can't really, can't really, that aren't tangible. Yeah, that's an interesting concept. I've never really uh, thought about that, but the only way you can really show your, your financial stability, I mean, for me, it's going to be leaving my, my traditional employment at age 55 when everyone's still working. Whereas, you know, these, I'll say other people get to show their, you know, vacation photos and their, their fancy cars every day. Again, I don't view that as wealth. You view it as consumption of wealth, but it may be in their minds, it means a status of some kind. And I don't get to show my status. I guess, I don't know that I want to, but if I did, I don't get to show it until I actually hit 55. That's, that's a long time to, to internalize that and not, not sort of puff your chest out and say, Look what I have. And I mean, if we look at your life, Trevor, your financial stability 
is your car your your 14 and 12 year old car that that is financial stability and it's on display in the parking lot at work but i mean it's it's probably brushed over in preference for all of the the newer vehicles but you are showing your financial stability but people are again not blinking an eye i guess my cars have reached an age where they're so old that it's actually reached a bragging point you know that my i i can't wait for these cars to get older because i'm even prouder and prouder of the fact that i'm I'm keeping in the car that old on the road and running. But again, I mean, among your friends, that that might be uh, with your friends who are like minded, they're going to appreciate the fact that you have an old car or you don't go on vacation, you don't share pictures. And if they ask what you're doing for the Christmas holiday and, and you say nothing, then then that then that's not really something you have in common with your coworkers. So in that in and, and again, in the work setting, that's that's a place where they don't quite you maybe don't share the same appreciation for the same things. Yeah, that that's true. I mean, a lot of people say, you know, what if you, you know, live this cautious frugal lifestyle and again, they think I'm depriving myself, but I'm not. I I, I don't feel deprived, but in their minds I am depriving myself and then I I retire and then 2 years later pass away, I will have missed out on life. You know, that that's how they view that. They're trying to live I guess they're trying to live it up today and not worry about what tomorrow brings. Which is definitely an interesting concept in itself. And I think that is actually uh, show-worthy and something that we could, we could dedicate a whole show to, kind of talking about that, that dynamic. Yeah, uh, saving for tomorrow or living for today is a, is a conundrum that, that everybody struggles with. So we've kind of talked, we talked about how we're influenced and I think it's important now to kind of follow up that out with the solutions and how to not succumb to financial pressures. And, and again, kind of a toxic ways that toxicity can show up among coworkers. So again, from a financial perspective only, the key is to know your financial goals and have them documented in, in, and review your, your goals and your plan regularly that will keep you from being influenced by, again, by new cars and vacations that tend to show up at the workplace. Th- those are the kind of things that are going to keep you focused and, and not succumb to the influence of your coworkers. And I, I know we say that point all the time to, to document and review your, your goals, but I, that has to be one of the most important parts. See, if you write them down and then you... you just say you you do succumb to to somebody some influence at work and you end up going to buy that new car you are forced to go down stroke out that goal and write in the revised goal which needs to account for a brand new truck you know that that becomes a, a conscious you know you you'll have known what that that true cost of that decision was but by because your documented goals have now changed you have to redocument them so it it, it, the accountability, I can't stress it enough. It, documenting, and you know, a, a lot of people say, uh, if anyone's listened to Tim Ferriss' podcast, I'm a huge fan, he talks about journaling. And in, in, in just journaling, just writing down what you've done or what you want to do, everyone has a different method of journaling. I, I want to get in the habit of journaling because it, it, it gives you time to reflect and then read what, you know, see what you've done and and maybe... You know, if you journal every day and just say at the end of the week, you look at your journal and you read through it and you say, gee, none of these things line up with my long-term goals. 
you know, you can see it. You get that visualization that, you know, I have this, this long-term goal of retiring early or achieving financial independence early. And if I read through my journal week by week, I have done nothing here to work toward that goal. So it, it, it gives reflection and then just writing it down what you did. You're forced to think about it and see it and read it and know, is this something I, I, I should have done or wanted to do or I did because somebody else influenced me? The next point is having a good support system. Well, back to you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with is in the workplace, you know, you, you know, if you go on breaks, you maybe the people you directly work with in your department, maybe they are all toxic. But when you do have time, breaks and lunch, associate yourself with like-minded people, people that, that share your values, you know, find them, seek them out. They, they, again, you know, how I said these three, uh, type of toxic people exist in every workplace. Well, I've yet to work in a place where there isn't some like-minded person looking for an escape, looking for a way out, looking to achieve some level of early financial independence. I'm yet to work somewhere where that, uh, another person like that did not exist. So they are there. You just have to find them. The, ne- the next point in kind of our list of solutions is if you are in a very toxic work environment where maybe it's, again, either impact- impacting you emotionally or, or really hindering you kind of in your mental financial state, change jobs. That's, that's one of the, it's, it's extreme, but sometimes that is what needs to be done, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I've never been there, but I have seen people leave their job where I work you know I've seen people leave and in talking to them you know they they didn't say that word for word but the the conversation had this is after they left that's why they left they you know a a new manager came in that they just could not work with and and they they just moved on I've seen people where I work they've left and then when sort of the environment changed at work they actually reapplied for a job and came back so that is to me, that's pretty dramatic. The fact that says they did not want to leave in the first place, but they had to. So they've left and come back. So that means, like, I couldn't imagine, I've never been pushed to that level, but somebody who has, I mean, that that, that speaks volumes of what the links people will go to. And I applaud this person that did it. I mean, I had the utmost respect for what they did. And I didn't realize when they came back that how bad it was for them. Wow. Yeah. And it, it just kind of puts things into perspective that that it, it gets to that point for some people. So Trevor, to kind of wrap this show up, there's this last concept I kind of want to throw out to you and throw out to our listeners as well to kind of chew over and and let us know what you think about this. But there's this there's this concept where there's three different elements and you can only choose one of them. So you have good boss, good job, and, or and good coworkers. So if you had to pick one, which one would you pick? So just to sort of break these down. So a, a, a good boss or a great, a good manager, somebody who, who just, you know, they're, they just inspire you. You know, you just, you would do anything for them. They're, they're, they're so warm hearted and, and just a good person all around. So everyone can relate that. I'm sure I, I know I've had people like this I've worked for and the, you know, there's a thing called a manager will tell you how important they are. A leader will tell them, tell you how important you are. So if you work for a true leader, you know, you'll know what I mean. And then good coworkers. I mean, 
you, you interact with them constantly. You, you can't escape coworkers. So if you have a, a great team you work with, you know, direct, you know, within your department of coworkers, and they're just people you just love to be around, you'd hang around with them in your, your per, you know, outside of work as well as during work that, that you just enjoy their company so much. And then a good job is just something that the job is so engaging and so enjoyable that, you know, people, you, you look, you, you're working so hard at it. You look up and everyone's gone home, you know, so the day passes by and you just love the work you're doing. You're, you're so enthusiastic about it. So if you, the question is, if you could have only one of those elements in your work life, you know, what would it be? And we've talked about the downsides, like, like you, you could have a job, you know, where that it, it just sucks the life out of you. It's so mundane and, and boring that, that the day just passes so slowly. So the people have had jobs and then I, you know, the job I described where it's super exciting. And, uh, and then, and if everyone's watched the movie, horrible bosses, it's a pretty funny movie, but I mean, it, it kind of exaggerates what a horrible boss really is. And then we talked about the, the toxic coworkers, you know, the, the, the three types. And so It'd be interesting if people could, you know, hit us up on our social media and, and tell us, you know, just at a poll, what if you could only have one of those? I mean, I perfectly hit up all three. I, I've never had all three, but I'd love to. If you could only have one, what would it be? And it, it's interesting. So, Courtney, if you could pick one, what would it be? It's a really tough question because, I mean, I think it depends on the job, honestly. I mean, you, if it's, pick, you can only pick one. I would say, honestly, I would say job. And I know that kind of goes against everything we were talking about today, how how important your, your coworkers are. But I would say, you know what? No, I'm going to retract that. I'm going to say coworkers because I think you can become passionate about anything. So that's the job aspect. And then boss, I think we all kind of expect our boss or or the person in charge to be a little bit more maybe strict or authoritative than we like because that's the position they're filling. But coworkers, people you have to rely on, trust, um, work with, I think that's, I think that would be my answer. Well, what if, maybe a better approach would be ranking these from most important to least important. That, that actually made me more, rather than just picking one, you know, list them in order. Which one would you, you know, consider the, the most important and what would be the least what about you? What would your ranking be? So I think that the nature of the job would be number one. You know, I, I and again, you know, it really did, a personality would play a big role in this. I, I consider myself very task oriented as opposed to people oriented. So I'm going to put the na- the job, you know, the, the technical aspect of the job first, because I, I can just, you know, put the blinders on and, and engross myself in the job and just be motivated by that. And, and that may detract... I would say the second thing, again, this is personality driven, would be the boss. And last for me would be coworkers. And I'm only saying that because I think my my years of working, I've built up such a toolbox to deal with difficult coworkers that, that I, I can do that in my sleep now. But early in my career, I would have put coworkers first because I, I was just uh, a pawn to some of these 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 people and they I was to be played. So I've developed a a thick skin and a lot of tools to deal with coworkers. So, so for me, it's job, boss, coworkers. And I'm gonna I'm gonna leave a picture on our Instagram, and I want any any of our listeners, all of our listeners, to comment on that with the ranking of each three, and then I'll put a poll up on our Facebook page, so you're able to 
to to rank those in in order as well so yeah i, I we love to i'm i'm really interested to hear and see uh what what your answers are to this because i think it i think it, it it's it's i mean there's three elements but i think i think it takes a lot of thought to really put them into an order that makes sense for you so trevor that brings us to the end of today's show on talk toxic coworkers and toxic coworkers that maybe play uh, a role in uh, the financial aspect of our lives and i think those intertwine really nicely and, and i'm really glad we kind of did a show on this because i mean there's not many resources dedicated to kind of the financial aspect of toxic coworkers. so i'm glad we were able to get the show into our catalog and and kind of represent this uh this issue uh, and thank you to our listeners for joining in with us today and, and kind of being a part of this conversation. Head over to our Instagram and Facebook page. We'd love to hear what you have to say about the ranking of all three. And we will see you everyone back here next week. We'll have another show for you. But until then, keep it simple.